Improving workplace culture can sound like an impossible task, but today's guest has had more than 1,500 unfiltered conversations with executives, HR professionals, recruiters, executive assistants, and leadership experts to identify the people-focused solutions that really work to create the ultimate workplace. Stay tuned. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, the podcast for smart executives, managers, and entrepreneurs looking to improve business performance and their bottom line. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and I've got a terrific guest for you today. She's Bonnie Lowe Craman. Now, Bonnie's got a really amazing background. She's a best-selling author and TEDx speaker who began her career as a personal assistant to Oscar winner Olympia Dukakis, with whom she worked for 25 years. Now today, as the CEO of Ultimate Assistant Training and Consulting, she's spoken and taught in 13 countries and is the author of a new book called Staff Matters, People-Focused Solutions for the Ultimate New Workplace. I am super excited on Bonnie pulling back the curtain on these people-focused solutions, so let's have her join us now. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Bonnie. Oh, thank you, Hannah. I'm delighted to be here and mix it up with you. (laughs) Well, good. I'm so glad to hear that. (laughs) You know, I am really intrigued about these 1,500 unfiltered conversations because people tend Mm -hmm. to be so guarded when they talk about this topic, you know, know, workplace cultures. It's pretty sensitive. It's There's no Mm -hmm. one-size-fits-all solution. It can get complicated. But in these unfiltered conversations that you had when researching your new book, Staff Matters, what's the scoop? What are people saying behind closed doors about improving workplace culture? Are there common complaints? There most definitely are. You know, to boil it down initially to get this whole thing started, it would be they want to have a voice in their work. So, you know, when you think about it, Hannah, Everyone who's employed by a company was hired for a reason. At some point, somebody, you know, maybe it was decades ago, but at some point somebody looked at their resume and said, we want to hire you. And in doing so, they were hired for their subject matter expertise. The issue is not everyone understands what those things are in the current system. And, you know, I've been doing these interviews over the last seven years but with real revision in the last three years in light of the pandemic. And so I was able to, with the book, talk with leaders, assistants, HR professionals, recruiters, in light of the pandemic, in the post-pandemic world, in response to the remote work, hybrid work, virtual work. And, And those were terms that we weren't talking about in February of 2020. And then everything changed. You know, in 2022, I did a TEDx talk. A great deal of it is, of course, in the book, Staff Matters. And I talk about the top four things that staff wants. And this applies to staff, whether they're in the United States, whether they're in South Africa, whether they're in Dubai, whether they're in London, whether they're in Omaha, Nebraska. It doesn't matter what staff wants, and you tell me if this is accurate for you and your career, number one is respect. Staff 
wants to feel respected for the role that they hold. And of course, the opposite of this is feeling disrespected. And you know what, what I believe to my soul is that when people feel respected, everything is possible. Disrespected, almost nothing is possible. The second thing that, that people want is to feel like they belong, that they are a valued contributor in the role that they hold, whether they're the janitor, whether they're a senior VP, whether they're an executive assistant, they're not just a number, that they, that they matter, that it matters if they show up to work that day, whether it's in the office or online, they belong there. The third thing that staff wants is to feel fairly compensated when staff is worried about money, they feel underpaid, or that they are preoccupied with the fact that, that the company has unfair compensation practices, those eat into valuable time and energy and leaders need to know that it does not serve them to underpay their staff because staff knows when they're being underpaid. And thus, we saw the great resignation. There's lots of evidence to you know, how the feeling of not being compensated well manifests in real life. And then the fourth is to have the investment in professional development, to be encouraged by their leaders in HR to keep learning and growing. That even if, if someone has been in a company for 10 years, that it's, it's kind of like, you know, top athletes the the best athletes out there need to keep training in order to stay at the top of their game. Well, so do staffers, no matter you know what role they hold. And so, you know, to turn it around, the complaints are, you know, toxic work environments and feeling disrespected, the feeling of that they don't matter, being underpaid, and you know, being told that you're going to have to pay for any class yourself. And by the way, you have to take a personal vacation day in order to do that. So that is a brief summary of some of the complaints that are true, universal truths worldwide. That's really interesting. And my experience echoes the same thing. I didn't talk to 1,500 people, so. <laughs> but I was glad to have it confirmed. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to talk about, you know, respect for the role. And I, I couldn't agree more because if you didn't need that person or that role filled, you wouldn't have hired for it, right? Yeah, and so, right. you know, taking it for granted after the fact kind of negates that. So... I guess my question is, because people talk about respect, they talk about belonging, but those seem to be like cushy concepts or, or squishy concepts is the better way, I mm -hmm. think, to, to talk mm -hmm. about it. Because, you know, what does that mean? I mean, I, I can mm -hmm. imagine some people in senior positions, you know, in the corner offices say, well, I'm being respectful. But, you know, mm -hmm. they may not come across that way to the people right. that report to them. The same thing with belonging. Well, they're getting a paycheck. They belong. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. Um, These things, and in, in the chapters in the book, in this 400 page, 21 chapter book, I know that it can feel nebulous. And so I offer realistic ways that people can manifest respect. And many of them don't cost one 
penny to do. I mean, I don't know if it'll resonate with you, Hannah, but there was one conversation, I many conversations I had with assistants, for example, who their executive refused to pronounce their ethnic name correctly. And over a period of many months, the executive thought it was really funny to mispronounce the name. And what we know is that there's almost nothing more personal than someone's name. And so executive assistant ended up quitting because the feeling of disrespect was so strong. And it is respectful to say please and thank you. And how about good morning, Hannah, as opposed to just coming in and, and you know, swinging by people. Now, some CEOs and some executives are, you know, when asked about this, you know, executive, it really matters to your staff if you take the time to say good morning and their name or good evening or, you know, have a have a good weekend, that kind of thing. And some executives actually said, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for those kind of niceties. And what I respond back and what many of the experts say is if you are working with humans, humans need this. They need that kind of validation, which simply feels respectful, respected, and that they matter. It matters that they are there. And the busiest, most successful executives out there do take the time to do what I'm saying. Now, it goes much deeper than those very simple things to do, seemingly simple things to do. During the pandemic, when so many people were dying of COVID and getting sick with COVID, you know, one professional told me the story that her parent passed away and that they were going to have a small service uh, for the parent. And her CEO showed up at that funeral and then went further and, and you know, bought meals for family members, et cetera. The extension of that kind of kindness was seen and viewed as respectful, that she was respected by her leader enough to warrant that kind of care and nurturing. That is respectful. Now, belonging has to do with being invited to meetings and having your opinion respected. Theoretically, if you've been working at a company for, you know, two, three, five years, you have learned quite a lot. It's, it's not about only what people are doing, their actual job description, their responsibilities, but it's what they know. It's the institutional knowledge that they hold in their head. It is, and, and who they know, you know, over a period of time, staffers get to meet and know a lot of people in the company. And so it is valuable for leaders to recognize that their staff hold a lot of valuable information. And so someone absolutely feels like they belong and that they have an important role to play in the company. If in fact, there are plans in the works for, you know, company initiatives and to be consulted, not for approval, but simply for an opinion. I mean, Hannah, no matter where you worked for a certain period of time, it would be short-sighted of me as your leader to not ask you. You know, I would want to say, so Hannah, we're planning XYZ, wondering since you have had firsthand knowledge of these operations over these years, 
you know, could you sit in on a planning meeting and give us the benefit of what you know? And can I tell you, Hannah, how often that is not being done to the point where chapter four in the book is called Ask First. It's one of the most common complaints around the world from staff is that decisions are being made by leaders and HR where staff and, and that directly impact the staff and, you know, like open floor plans, the scheduling in the aftermath of the pandemic, and the list goes on and on. And the staff is not even asked, what information do you think we're missing? What is it that we might, you know, need to pay attention to that would make this project go even smoother? That's belonging, where your opinions and points of view are taken into consideration. And again, not for approval, but for the benefit of what you know. You're already on the payroll. Why wouldn't leaders want to take full advantage of what their staff knows? Does that help you? Well, yeah, no, I, I appreciate your having fleshed that out. I think those are great examples. But I'm just wondering, you know, so many organizations are still run in a command and control type mm. of leadership style. And, you know, to answer your question about, you know, why wouldn't somebody want to ask their staff? Uh, they mm -hmm. probably think they know better. And they would be wrong. They would be wrong about that because in, in my book, in fact, one of the impetuses for the book that I am deeply concerned about is that as I traveled in 13 countries and 38 states and talking with staff from all over the world, what I heard, Hannah, was a lot of fear. I heard fear among the staff and fear about the idea that staff has a front row seat for what goes on in companies, that they are eyes, they are ears, they know things, but staff is fearful about being the voice, about being the mouth. They're afraid to speak up to leaders and to HR about what's really going on in companies and some of these fears are founded in reality. Some are, are imaginary, yes. You know, we tend to worry about things needlessly, but some of the fears are very real, fears of being fired if they raise an issue that's too problematic for a leader that they don't wanna hear. They don't wanna be the messenger. There's a fear that they might get labeled a troublemaker if they raise a concern about what they see. They might, they fear not being liked or being brought into, you know, being shunned from a group of, of staffers. So there's a dynamic, there's a culture that each company has. And so my concern is that in this post-pandemic world, we have a large number of staff now working at home. And so they're very disconnected and fragmented from the leadership even more than they were in February of 2020. And so leaders and HR are very busy making decisions for a company, but because I don't believe that they are getting full information because the staff is choosing to not tell them. They do not feel free. They do not feel psychologically safe to tell their leaders the truth about what's really going on. And therefore, I believe that there are many decisions being made with faulty information. And I decided that I had to reveal this in Staff Matters in order for leaders to pay attention 
to both the silence and to the retention rates. You know, the great resignation was, you know, showed just such a huge volatility worldwide of people running for the exit. People do not leave companies where they feel respected and valued and paid properly and supported to keep learning. People leave companies where they feel disrespected. And that's what leaders, in my view, need to pay attention to. And I am optimistic and hopeful in this post-pandemic environment because leaders recognize that they don't have all the answers. No leader was prepared for what for what happened. And now the, the dust is still settling and I, the world is running far faster than our ability to keep up with it. I mean, just look at all the articles about chat GPT and and AI, which is now all of a sudden, you know, supposedly taking over the world, which it is not. But there's so much volatility and movement. I want to do everything I can to pull back the curtain for leaders so that they can see that it is not in their best interest at all to think that they have all the answers and that they, many of them, they don't need to look much further than their staff who are sitting there with answers, if only they were asked. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense. And I'm grateful for several things. One, that you put so much of this information between two covers, which for people that are interested in improving their workplace culture, I would encourage them to take a look at your book, Staff Matters, because it matters at all levels. The top dog, the uh, you know, CEO can't run everything by themselves. They need people. I mean, and that is really what leadership is all about, getting work done through right. others. So how are they doing that? And I, I guess my, my follow-up question to you is, if there's so much fear, especially mm-hmm. in larger organizations, things that are uh, companies that are more established as opposed to a startup or an entrepreneur that just has, you know, maybe less than 10 employees, mm-hmm. how do you recommend they slice through that fear to get people to be more forthcoming and feel safe? Where do they start? In those early weeks of the pandemic, there was a CEO who really impressed me. And he had his executive assistant give him a list of 10 staffers and their phone numbers that he would make calls every day randomly. These were not planned calls. And he had his workforce at home. So he was pretty sure they would pick up the phone. And he just started calling people. And he would say to them, hey, Hannah, this is John Smith, the CEO. How are you doing? How's the family? Is everybody okay? Do you need anything? I know you had to put together the home office. And that was the same CEO who gave the staff $500 gift cards with no strings attached to, you know, in their home office, do you need a new monitor? Do you need a new chair? Do you need a better light? Do you need, you know what I'm saying? You know, do you want to just take the whole family to dinner as a way to make things easier? What I'm leading up to, to answer your question is the word went around. And so people were saying, did John call you? Did you get a call? Did that happen? So what I advise leaders today in 2023 is choose a focus group, like bring together five, six, 10 people from different departments, like, and not 
upper leaders. I'm talking staffers. Hubert Jolie, who used to run the CEO of Best Buy years ago, he wrote a very popular book, and he was famous for going into Best Buy stores and just visiting with the salespeople, the same the, the staff who were selling the computers and the cell phones and the refrigerators, and listening to them. I advise leaders to figure out how to get with their people with not a, it doesn't have to be hundreds. It can be a few uh, who are made to understand that he or she genuinely wants their opinion, wants them to feel safe to tell them the truth that he needs them to do this. And I promise you, and anybody who's listening, that that word will go around. But did you hear what he did? Did you hear that? That he put together a group and he was actually asking for feedback? And then guess what happened? They, he actually made something happen as a result of those meetings. I have seen in these years and the research I've done that the most successful leaders were the ones who made it their business to connect with their staff, the people who they who they painstakingly hired in the first place. And will this take some time? Yes, it will. Will it pay off? I promise you it will. Wonderful. Now, I do have one last question for you about your book, Staff Matters. Well, we've talked about why staff matters. But as with regard to the book, what is the most important thing you'd like a reader to take away from that book, Staff mm. Matters? Thanks, Hannah. So here's the thing. In all this talking that I've been doing around the world, I have not met anybody yet who has not acknowledged that there are aspects of the workplace that are broken, systems that are broken, job descriptions that, that are pitifully obsolete, onboarding systems that are crap. You know, that, that people show up on their first day and nobody expects them and people are just annoyed that there's somebody there, you know, like broken systems. And in my book, I have firsthand stories from the different, I call them constituencies of the workplace leaders, you know, and then assistants, HR and recruiters. And no one of those groups, Hannah, can fix what's broken alone. If things are broken, and if we decide we want to fix them, then no one of those groups can do it alone. That's what I want readers to take away from this book is that we must figure out ways to collaborate and cooperate with the groups of people we're working with in a way we never have. And it's an even more of a challenge now because of the remote virtual world, but that's the urgency that I feel right now that we better get on it because it's only going to get more fragmented and fractured as time goes by, unless we get a handle on it now, you know, and right now we have staff who many of whom in companies were in the company pre pandemic, they lived through the pandemic, and now they're in post pandemic. But it, as time goes by, we're going to be hiring more and more people who only know the company in a post pandemic environment, the challenge to communicate culture and to develop rapport and genuine connection among the humans in our workplace, that's the challenge for leaders that I 
expose in this book, in Staff Matters. And my biggest goal, my, my hope, is that the book will serve as a tool, a catalyst for these kinds of conversations that need to happen among the groups in our workplaces so that we finally can identify what's broken and say, okay, let us put together our task force of people who actually know how to fix it. And what I know is that the staff uniquely qualified to fix what's broken. Awesome. This has really been great, Bonnie. I so appreciate your time and the way your work shines a light on the stories of staff at all levels of an organization to help managers be better leaders. Now, if you're listening and you'd like to know more about Bonnie Lowe Craman, her work, her training and consulting work, and her book, Staff Matters, that information, as well as a transcript of this interview, can be found in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends, your supervisors, your CEOs Mm -hmm. about the show and leave a positive review because we will be back in two weeks with another episode of Business Confidential Now. So until then, have a great day and an even better tomorrow.